All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be discussing all types of hot nonsense with me. Lots of gems, lots of grandmasters, lots of, oh, you think you're the successor? I don't think that word means what you think it means. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm not doing too well, Sifu. You're not doing too well? What's going on? Now I'm stinking you out. <laughs> doing great. I was worried because before we started, you were doing fine. And I then as soon as we started, I'm like, yo, Dre, how you doing? And then suddenly you weren't doing well, like, right? Whoa. <laughs> so uh, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah, likewise, uh, likewise. Been we're back little, in the building. Been seeing you a little bit more recently. You That's now. right. Open your schedule to come That's train right. regularly on Mondays. I have a class on Mondays. That's which what is Uber like allows. Uber allows. You're doing, you doing the Uber thing, Uber right? Uber thing, yeah. You don't have any weird Uber stories yet, right? I have the best. I'm like, every time someone gets in, you know, I drive like a good maybe three, five seconds. And uh-huh. they're just the best. They're the best. You haven't had any Each weird stories. Each one is better than the rest. Is, is that because you, you, so you Uber out in Jersey? Jersey. But I can imagine if you were Ubering here in the city, <laughs> the amount of time you've been Ubering, you would have already had some stories, right? I probably would have. But yeah. I Uber during the morning into the afternoon, some little early evening, nothing late, uh-huh. nothing after dark. So you're, you're not at those time periods where things go off the rails. Freaks come out at night. The freaks come out not, at night. Not in the day. Yes, 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 yes. Not in a day. Awesome, so, awesome. There's some well, truth to that. It's good to see you, man. Uh, um, likewise, likewise. Before we get started, just want to say, hey, the best way to support the, the Kung best. Fu Genius podcast is on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. The link for that is in the description below. And uh, for as little as $5 a month, you can support us and get uh, access to episodes early. And there's other goodies on there, Instagram subscriber reels and other things for higher levels of support. There are more goodies. So when you go to that page, uh, patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genies, you can actually see all the different tiers and any support is appreciated. Uh, no, contrary to popular belief, we don't make tons of money on YouTube. Uh, we discussed this in recent episodes. Uh, actually, this morning, I um, was talking about the, the top episodes on my channel. So uh, with my daughter, because, oh. you know, she she's starting to she get into asked you. Yeah, what she's, are the top episodes? she's getting into like she I think she has some interest uh, to do stuff on YouTube because, you know, what she's really into. What is she she's into? into ASMR. And now she does like yeah. very much like Ting Ting. Yeah, she'll do like she'll put the makeup and she'll send the videos to me. She actually sent me an ASMR video. It's 10 minutes long. Yeah. And it's her putting makeup on and like doing these sounds like. And like it's really good, so oh, yeah. I have it. I have it on my phone. I used it to go to sleep last night. <laughs> oh, goodness. it's amazing. So uh, and then so I, I showed her on my YouTube analytics page. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, let me show you, um, you know, the YouTube analytics page of a very small and oh, fledgling, yeah. you, you know, YouTube channel, right? Yeah. Because we actually did hit a milestone uh, two weeks ago. Now two weeks what is this at milestone? the uh, time of this recording, which is July 28th, we hit a million views. Yes. So the, uh, but mind you, awesome. mind you, not on one video spread out over all of the videos. Of videos. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, YouTube did that send like the, hey, you, cool. hit, you hit a million views. So uh, people have watched us a million times. Wow. 
Some have watched more than others. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is. It's, it's three. Some have it's watched three, three people seconds. watching 300,000 <laughs> something times over and over again. Right. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So that anyway, shout out to all the awesome support yeah, from all please. our yes. shout out uh, followers all on you. YouTube. And uh, of course, uh, cool. for those of you who listen to us on audio, mm-hmm. our audio. Um, I never thought this day would come. Well, it came two weeks ago. So, <laughs> so uh, but it's interesting right. because it's it's two very separate audiences. We have like our YouTube uh, followers yeah. and and the people who watch us on YouTube, and then we have a whole slew of people who just listen to the audio version of this yeah. podcast. And so the analytics are interesting when I compare the two of them, uh, and also the feedback I get because there are people out there who only listen to us on audio, yeah, and there are people who just listen to us on. Uh, or just watch us on YouTube. And then there are people who do both because the YouTube videos usually come out on Mondays at 5 p.m., but the audio version of that episode comes out that morning. So you can actually listen to the episode before you can watch it. So, like, savvy viewers will, like, uh, listen Listen to it in the morning, and some people listen to it in the morning and then watch it again at night, which is crazy. Uh, So, anyway, uh, thanks for all the support on that. Yes. Yes. Big thanks. Yes. So uh, yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we get well, into it? I need it? to know uh, what are you hiding over there? I see like something you you're. I'm not there's hiding something anything. Next to you, I have something, and I can't see it because I have this I have something I'm very proud way, of. But All you right, seem, it seems M- like mind you, I didn't I didn't make it, but I'm still very proud of uh, it. Um, so uh, at the time of this recording, yeah. it's July 28th, so this is an advanced copy. By the time this episode comes out. It may still not be out yet, but I have an advanced copy of John Little's new book. Just what's up? Wrath of the Dragon, The Real Fights of Bruce Lee by John Little. Wow. And uh, this book is... Have you read front to back yet? I know you had it like a day. Oh, I just got it a few hours ago. (laughs) Uh, But to answer your question, I have already read the book. Front to oh yeah, because you be, got you be, got manuscript. Well, uh, John Little, uh, yeah. who has been on this podcast twice. By the way, uh, to go back to the analytics thing, I was talking yeah. about with Maria. Besides the drug letters video, the two top videos on this Naturally. channel are the two John Little interviews. Naturally, yes, yes. Uh, so I looked at uh, the one where we talk about the real fights of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I or it was the training uh, the training methods one had something like. 54,000 views, which for this channel is huge. For other YouTubers, they get that in an hour, right? Um, We get that. It takes us two years to get 54,000 views, right? Okay. So clearly our audience loves the John Little stuff. We're going to have John Little back, uh, mainly to talk about this book here. I'm really surprised no one has done this topic yet because there's so many books about Bruce Lee. Uh, you know, talk, uh, and many of them were written by John Little and other authors. They're either biographical, or mm-hmm. some of them go into the Jeet Kune Do techniques, or geographical book. Yeah, no, there's no such. Thing? There's no Bruce Lee geographical book. Uh, but <laughs> well, uh, surprisingly, no one has written John a book Little. just chronicling Bruce Lee's fights. I know. Now, of this course, it's it's not an easy task because. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as as a lot of the fight bros like to say, you know, uh, well, I don't see any like YouTube videos of Bruce Lee fighting. 
Because, you know, as I always say, the, <laughs> Actually, the, they I, are. the, I, the iPhone... the Beardy was the one who... Yeah, Beardy's the one who has them, them all, yeah. right? Yeah. The iPhone uh, quality in the 1960s was awful. Have you ever <laughs> seen the video quality of iPhones potato. from the 1960s? Potato, potato quality, all right? Level. It's like watching a video through a potato, all right? <laughs> a potato <laughs> lens. Yeah, potato lens, right? The video, the video uh, cameras on um, cell phones in the 60s were just god-awful, right? Stop. So uh, what, what John Little did... Mm-hmm is he started to do all the research on mm. all the different mm. fights. Because first it starts with like the stories. Oh, Bruce Lee supposedly fought this dude, fought this dude. And then so you start with, it's all hearsay. Yeah. But then what he did is he, is he started to dig in. He started to look at Bruce's notes. Okay. Uh, you know, or at least what's available, yeah. right? Uh, out there because, you know, most of the stuff that, that Bruce Lee wrote, you, you can see it. Now, uh, like his, mm. not really his notes so much as his letters, right? And to kind of put a timeline, what did Bruce Lee say about these different encounters to other people? Now, did he even mention them, right? Did he go to the location of these fights? And no, I get don't the think blood so. Blood samples, <laughs> the DNA. The, no, he didn't no? go to. He didn't go to that level. No. But what he did is he he, he did as much research as is possible because, mm-hmm. of course, many of the people involved are no longer around, and uh, you know these are some of them are just stories. So he did. By the way, when you look at this book sideways, half of this book here are the references for where he got the information from. Oh. So this is not like a rinky-dink, oh, yeah, Bruce Lee, like, punched yeah. this dude in the face, and uh, yeah. I know it because someone told me. It's not, it's not a Beardy book. He's not a Beardy it's book, right? not a right? book by Beardy. Exactly. So you can actually go into the Could you the imagine back. a Beardy, a book by no, Beardy? No, I can't imagine. Because the guy has, he's got a kindergarten-level brain. Um, but uh, but what, what John Little did is he, he basically did all the research, and he says where he got everything from. So... Yeah. You know, if if people want to know, well, hey, where did he get this story about Bruce Lee and Joe Lewis from or whatever? Well, he got it mm-hmm. from this and this interview, this and this guy said it. So it's thoroughly researched. I'm really surprised no one, including John, has not done this book until now. But the crazy thing yeah. is that this was the topic of our first interview, which was the real fights of Bruce yeah. Lee. And, and I'm going to flex a little bit, okay? I'm going to flex a little right. bit, all right? We'll this is flex. me not being humble, okay? <laughs> not at all, all right? <laughs> uh, the guy who calls himself the Kung Fu genius, by the way, I got another comment. Like, I don't think it's humble to call yourself Kung Fu genius. Yeah, you, you After I've explained totally it a million times on this yourself, podcast. Right, yeah, right. yeah, and you made it up yourself. First of all, I, was, I didn't make it up myself. I was, Other people called me that. I Second of all, you. I use it in the most self-deprecating yeah. way, okay? Yeah. No one is a Kung Fu genius, all right? Except so, Max Sifu and I Bruce had, Lee. So many people are confused about basics in Wing Chun Chi Sao. Some view it as a collection of moves, and masters confuse their own students by talking of principles and concepts without telling them what's what. The 15 Chi Sao Fundamentals is my attempt at explaining Wing Chun Chi Sao from a perspective of principles, but also with the basic techniques required to express those principles. It shows the framework for Hong Kong Wing Chun Chi Sao, in particular, the training of Pun Sao and Lap Da. This is necessary training before going on to the higher and more spontaneous expressions of Chi Sao. Right now, if you use the code KFG Chi Sao, you can get a signed copy of my book for the price of the unsigned one. Click on the link in the description below and use the code KFG Chi Sao at checkout to get a signed copy of this full color, over 230 page manual on the vital foundational training exercise of Wing Chun. This offer is good while supplies last, so get yours today. I had a, a lady in the car the other day in the Uber with her mom. Uh-huh. She's taking her mom to the doctor, and I told her all about you. And they were totally like, what? We got to check out the podcast. Yeah, and then and they're going to see you. No, well, that's they, our Uber driver, they, bro. They know how you got the name. They were right. loving that. You told the story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The other day, 
uh, I was uh, walking home. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this is, so if this is uh, one of our uh, uh, followers Stop. or whatever, go ahead and shout out. But I was walking home with my girls, Stop. and someone drove by in a smart car. <laughs> and uh, yelled out, yeah, Kung Fu Genius, right? And then honked the horn and drove by. I had no idea who it was. And my daughters were like, oh, daddy's famous. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Daddy is known to a very small niche, niche of yeah. nerds, yeah. okay? And that awesome people out there, right? Epic. But That's one of epic. these guys, one of these guys saw me. This is in your me. neighborhood? This is in my neighborhood, right? It was wild, right? And my, my daughters were like, they were like floating on cloud nine. It was so, so great. Cool. Uh, and I'm so like, don't, cool, I'm like, especially don't. for them to witness it. Yeah. Well, it happened one other time on the subway. Someone, someone was uh, across from us on the subway. He's like, are you the Kung Fu genius? And I was there with what? Marie and Marie. And she was like, <laughs> it was like this the whole time, right? <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm like, don't get used to it, Stop. all right? Like, you, you, you know, this we have, so we don't good. even have ten thousand followers, yeah. oh, all right? Don't, don't get too used to it, right? No, but um, we have but the anyway, most loyal followers. Uh, John Little, yeah. I'm totally gonna flex right now. Yeah, this, this, this is me being this, not humble at all. See all right? the striations. John Little, all right, wrote an inscription in the book. Yeah, it says to Alex, thanks for your support. All mm-hmm. the best. P.S. This book is all your fault. <laughs> all right. So it's based on the inspiration wow. of our um, of our interview An where we episode. were talking about this stuff, and he thought hmm, maybe I this should go into this. The first episode with him or the second? Because uh, I think it was the took, first one. It was the first that one. Took a, there was like a short time to write a book because that happened what less than two years ago. Yeah, it would be a little over. Yeah. No, it'd be uh, over two years. Yeah, just slightly over two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was about a reasonable Damn. amount of time to write a book he like that. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he was he worked for the Lee Estate for so yeah. long, so he 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 knows yeah, he knows where to look for everything, right? Mm, so I'm sure. um, super excited about this. So he he did a lot. I actually uh, I didn't I did I proofread it for him, but not like in grammar and stuff like that because I'm an idiot when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. But he wanted oh, yeah. he wanted to double check on um, you know like on Bruce Lee some Bruce Lee stuff like uh, you know you know little facts and things like yeah. he wanted me to look through it and see if I saw anything that you know That's, might need some adjustments. Yeah. So, um, I gave him a couple you know minor suggestions, super super minor stuff, and they and updated they the book updated. with it. So, Wow. So I actually uh, previewed the book, yeah. and uh, I'm, my review of the book is on the back cover, nice. right under that. Scott Coker, the guy who the guy who runs Bellator, right? So um, <laughs> okay, and it's Alex Richter, the Kung Fu genius, author, podcaster, yeah, and New York based Wing Chun instructor, and they spelled Wing Chun T S U N. So shout out. Shout out for doing that. I totally appreciate it. It's a huge honor for me because as a teenager and, and, you know, budding Bruce Lee fan. That has got to be a mind. I I read John Little's books. Yeah. And it's like very bizarre for me to like. Time you read a John Little book. The first John Little book I had was The Warrior Within, which is yeah. a book about the philosophy of Bruce Lee. Mm. And that was one of two books that I brought with me to Hong Kong, which was our last episode. We talked yeah. about the Hong Kong stories. When I went on that trip, I had two books, a Hong Kong Action Cinema by Bay Logan, which I was lucky that I brought that because when I met Samuel Hung, he could sign. There was a chapter on Samuel Hung in Bay Logan's book. Right. And the second book I brought was uh, Warrior Within by John you Little. Know, the parallel is so strange how what? you took those two books with you yes and now you're good friends i know both those dudes bay logan and crazy. john little totally crazy how is, right. how how does that feel right now this, and you had no plan of this back when no you're 17 it's just, it's just how, i Hong mean it, it, it's amazing i mean yeah. when i i have a chance to talk bay is like an encyclopedia of hong kong action cinema yeah 
and just to talk to him and like he's been living in Hong Kong for so long so when you just listen to the stories and he's worked on these sets mm -hmm. he also speaks Cantonese unlike oh, yeah. a lot of other Hong Kong martial art ex like Western Hong Kong martial art experts and it's amazing I mean like I can and he's also he's just a great raconteur. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. So um, you know yeah. uh, when when I have a chance to and see he does him, he's a Hong great Bruce Lee impersonation. He's an amazing Bruce Lee impression. As a matter of fact, I think he even did Bruce Lee's voice uh, dubbing. I think for the Japanese release of Game of Death or something like that. He he does an uncanny Bruce Lee. Like where like if you close your eyes, you 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 really think like oh this is Japanese. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So uh, whenever I have a chance to see Bay in Hong Kong, um, you know I just sit down and just like. Mm -hmm. Just let the man talk. He's got yeah. the most amazing stories. And then now to so also, funny. you know, know John Little and yeah. to be able to talk Bruce Lee with someone who, you know, it's interesting because he's asked me, you know, about some things about Bruce Lee. And it's bizarre for me because I feel like most of what I know about Bruce Lee, I learned from reading his books. So I, I always like I always feel like such a fraud. Like, am I just <laughs> am I just regurgitating yeah. what you told me yeah. at some or what I read oh, in one of your level. books at some point? That right. So uh, but it's a huge honor to be in the book is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, at the time of this be. recording, the book is still not coming out until September. So we're okay. at the end of July right now. When this episode wow. comes out, this may be that uh, this episode's most likely coming out some point in August. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll still come out just shortly before the book is, uh, mm -hmm. released mm -hmm. for anyone who wants to get the book. Uh, there, uh, you can, you can order it directly from the publisher. I, uh, posted a link on my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, we have, uh, YouTube has something. It's like, you can post photos a little bit like having a, like a right timeline, there. right? Okay. And, uh, so you can go there. I actually have the cover of the book in the, in the link there if you want to order it up uh, and you can also pre-order it on Amazon. And if this episode comes out, uh, after the book is out or you're watching this after September of 2023 mm -hmm. and you can just straight up order the book. Okay. I highly, highly recommend it because Sheesh. I read pretty much everything that comes out about Bruce Lee, even stuff where I'm not too thrilled about. I'll still read it because <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> and uh, this, is the, this is the first time in a long time, I think maybe since Matt Polly's book, that I got really excited about a Bruce Lee book. Yeah. Because, I mean, how many times can you hear the same story retold? Mm. Well, this takes a really right. unique angle. This is talking about something really specific. And let's be honest, this is what we want to know about. Yeah. All right? We, yeah. We, we, we've seen the notes. We know the basic ideas of Jeet Kune Do, even if you're a kind of a casual JKD follower. But, hey, I, we want to talk we about the Bruce Lee scraps, the stuff. right? Yeah, yeah, the juicy and, stuff. Yeah, the juicy stuff. And Ooh. this book is full of juicy stuff, all right? So anyway, uh, yeah. Can't wait to get my copy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. So uh, we decided to talk about a special topic today. What's the special topic? Is it uh, going to be about... Um, New York Ninja? No, it's nah. not New York Ninja yet. We, By the way, uh, we want to do an episode on New York Ninja. Yeah. Uh, however, I have not seen the film. I know all about it. It's notorious. I've seen a, a speck of it. Yes. And so, what's funny, every mm -hmm. time I turn on the TV, it's always at the same part. It's on TV? It's on TV somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere just like lurking. Yeah, so it's this notoriously awful low-budget movie, it's which like, never really got finished until just recently. Yeah. I think they started yeah. in the 80s, mm -hmm. and they finished it a year ago. I think ago. Showtime will show it uh -huh. once in a while. Uh -huh. yeah. So uh, I think what we're going to do, we'll do a little bit. We'll do it a little bit like Red Letter Media, where mm -hmm. we'll, we'll put a camera on us sitting on a couch, the three of us, okay. you, me, and Mikey. Eating on Mikey's couch? Yeah, eating popcorn. Whose couch? Watching New York Ninja. You guys coming out to we'll Jersey? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know if we Jersey. come out to Jersey. <laughs> what the hell wants to go out to Jersey? <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
My uh, couch is comfy. Yeah. yeah. Anytime, like, I have friends from Europe who want to travel to, to mm-hmm. New York, and they're like, which airports should I go to? Uh, like, do not go to Newark. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so we'll have a, we'll have a video uh, on us, like, okay. our kind of reactions in real time watching the movie. And then we'll come into the studio here and then we'll talk about it. And we'll mm. do like a kind of a very red letter media take on it. By the way, I think red letter media actually did an episode on New York Ninja, which is pretty good. You're lying. Yeah, but we'll, we'll do it because they're not martial artists. So we'll, we'll do it from a more martial oh, arts perspective. Oh, I did not know this. And the main actor, Joseph Kuo, who I think was, he was like an amazing kicker. Yeah. Uh, taekwondo background from Taiwan. But okay. uh, even though from Taiwan, he's Chinese, he's a Korean martial arts background. But just amazing kicks. And I think, I believe, I might be wrong, I'm sure uh, everyone in the YouTube comments, after they go and check it on Google, will correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, I think he was a student of Tan Tao Lang, who is like uh, another legendary uh, Taiwanese Taekwondo practitioner. Yeah. Just amazing leg kicks. And Joseph Kuo was actually a friend of uh, Sifu Lang Teng, of my, my former teacher in Wing Chun. And if you open, if you crack open the book Wing Chun Kun, the, the big, thick yeah. book that Sifu Lang Teng made in the late 70s, uh, in the beginning of the book, he's got a shout out from Joseph Kuo from New York Ninja. From the, but uh, that was before New York Ninja. He was just, and uh, he had apparently founded uh. his own martial arts style. It was called Zen Kwon Do. Zen Kwon Do. And I know the, the photo in Lang Teng's book, he's doing like this really nice, yeah. Perfectly executed jumping sidekick. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like to master Lung Tang. And it's like a very, very nice dedication from, from Joseph Kuo. So I'm boy. definitely, definitely looking forward to, uh, to seeing yeah. that. But we will get to that. that. That is definitely a future episode. Today yeah. I want to actually talk about something. Well, I'm going to say it's political, except I'm not going to talk about it from a political perspective. I'm not defending anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about kind of three things. Three Grandmasters. Grandmasters. Successors. Successors. And closed-door students. And closed-door students. And, like, what this means, because mm. these, are, these are terms that, uh, for people outside of the weird walled garden of Chinese kung fu, yeah. uh, these are terms that maybe people, okay, grandmasters, like some famous yeah. old guy or whatever, some high-level high old guy. Successors, <laughs> uh, maybe, but, like, you know, closed-door students. These are... These are these are terms that uh, are used or, or even not just closed door students, but inner circle students, all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And, uh, you know, what do these things mean? And more importantly, are they still relevant? Mm. Um, because as mm. as many people probably in, in the Chinese Kung Fu world know that m- some of these things like the grandmaster or the head of a style or the successor, the next person to take over, you know, these things started off as good ideas, <laughs> as they often do. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they often mutate into something that's not that great. And then they get abused. Okay. Right? So I want to talk a little bit about do that. You, uh, do you start with the history of these terms? Like, Well, in, um, in Chinese Kung Fu, let's, so mm-hmm. let's, let's start. So we have our three topics. We have yeah. grandmaster, successors, and closed door or inner circle students, whatever. Mm. Okay, people are actually only long tang is the only one. You know, like uh, it's like before people even want to listen to the message, everyone's gonna go, yeah, yeah, but 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 yeah, but 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 yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, but why don't you just listen? Just All listen. Right? Hear, hear me out. Uh, hear me out. So, um, grandmaster. Um, it, there are actually two terms in in Chinese that can mean grandmaster. Oh. One is zhongxi, which usually means if if you were to just translate that. That means like a great teacher or a teacher of high esteem. And then there's mm-hmm. another one which is a little bit more intricate. It's called Chiang Munyan. Chiang Munyan means like the keeper of the gate. 
mm. the protect like the protector of the style, the keeper of the the keeper of the style. And that has a slightly different connotation, right? There's also dai si, dai meaning big, si is the same si as in sifu. Okay. Which means great teacher. Um, not dai sifu, not si right? Just dai si. Uh, uh. Uh, and some martial arts people use that, although it, it's more often to hear the term dai si applied to uh, Buddhist abbots. And it can, it can sometimes, depending on the con, it can be applied to a great teacher in martial arts, but it, it's oftentimes there's maybe slightly more Buddhist connotation. <laughs> I was once called dai si in a magazine. Uh, no, in remember. a newspaper. Uh, in um, one yeah. of the local Chinese newspapers yeah. uh, uh, was many, many years ago when uh, Lao Kaleng, the famous Kung Fu director who did 36 Chambers, yeah. um, iconic director, after he passed away, they did a... Um, they did like a tribute and dedication to him downtown where they showed a bunch of his movies. And then on the opening night, they invited me to come and talk about Lao Ka because so someone is like, this is years before I became the Kung Fu genius. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy, Alex Richter, yeah, he knows all about that stuff. You should oh, just invite him. And I came and I, I spoke for about 10 minutes on Lao Ka And uh, okay. it, was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Hmm. So, uh, and it was, it was, uh, it was an honor for me to like talk about Lao Sifu because he's one of my favorite Kung Fu directors and choreographers. And, and also he had started many of those films. And, uh, at the end of the presentation, is there footage of this? Mm, I don't know. I wish hmm. there was, I would love to watch it. Yeah. Um, at the end of the presentation, they took a photo with me and some of the people from who are very active in the uh, New York Asian cinema world or whatever. And they, they took a photo and uh, in the Chinese newspaper came out the next day. Uh, they used my Chinese name, Wai Tao, and they called <laughs> me a Dai Si, which is like great teacher. And uh, it's a very uh, ridiculous thing to call me. Wow. Um, it's almost like Dai Sifu, right? But oh. again... That also kind of strengthens my complaint, especially with these Wing Chun guys who call themselves Dai Sifu, which is, to be honest, it's a European Leung Ting Wing Chun thing. Okay. None of the Leung Ting Wing Chun guys in, in Hong Kong use that title. It's more of a European thing. And uh, it's not something you would ever call yourself, and it's not something you would ever introduce yourself as. Because, <laughs> uh, because no. if you imagine, even for most Chinese, just the term Sifu, uh, the term Sifu has uh, the, the Fu character, the second one. There's actually two different characters. And by the way, uh, uh, most people know, I did a, a video on all the Kung Fu family terms. So you can yes. go back and watch this. Old um, school video. Yeah, it, it, uh, you can uh, look in YouTube. It's on this channel. It's called mm -hmm. the Not So Complicated Kung Fu Family Tree. <laughs> and it's me going through like, and you know, and the elder Kung Fu brother yeah. of your, your uncle is called yeah. this, blah, 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 and like I kind of yeah, rattle through all this great, stuff, right? Great video. Um, yeah. But uh, Dai Sifu is not something you would ever call yourself. Because uh, Sifu, si, uh, the first character can mean like teacher or, uh, or a, not so much a scholar, but someone who has achieved some kind of knowledge in this thing, right? <laughs> and uh, Fu, uh, the, the, the Fu character, there's two of them. There's one that actually means father. Mm -hmm. And that, that Sifu, when you use that character, you're talking about your personal Sifu. The, the person you call Sifu, right? Mm, gotcha. And then there's another character, identical pronunciation as the father one, but it means like an expert or a coach. Yeah. So that's why, um, unless you have the Chinese subtitles underneath, sometimes when someone says Sifu, you don't know, uh, do they mean they're using this as an honorific, uh, you're a coach or you're uh, someone who has accomplished something in a blue collar trade mm -hmm. because a taxi driver is a Sifu. A, a chef is a Sifu, right? An Uber driver is a Sifu. An Uber driver, yeah. You are a Sifu of driving now, sir. <laughs> Not just of Wing Chun, but also of driving. 
Uh, and then, but when you've been adopted, oh, when you've been adopted by a teacher, mm -hmm. he, he or she, they, they're your sifu, and then you would use the paternal or father character. But you only address your sifu as sifu. If you address someone else who is a sifu but not your sifu, you have to say sifu and their name. Yeah. Because if you don't, it, you're, you're kind of committing. Now, mind you, even uh, some modern Chinese uh, make this mistake. Okay. Um, because they don't know. Or sometimes they're just being polite or maybe they just don't care. No. But in theory, if you just call someone sifu, just yes. alone, okay? It depends on how conservative that person is. Because if they're really conservative, you've committed two sins at once. If I, so let's say I'm already learning martial arts mm -hmm. and I have a sifu. And you happen to be a sifu of another martial art. And to be polite, I say, sifu, so nice to meet you. And let's say you're a conservative Sifu with a stick up your butt. Oh. I just committed two sins by calling you just Sifu. One, uh, I mm. assume somehow you have accepted me as your student. Yeah. And you may not even know who I am. All right? Okay. That's why I watch Prodigal Son every time yeah. uh, Yun Biu was trying to call Lam Ching Ying Sifu. He said, hey, do not call me that. Right? Like, oh, no, that's wow. a big thing. Because, like, if, if I've accepted you as a student, then you can then just simply call me Sifu. Right. So you commit the sin of almost saying, hey, you've accepted me as your student and I'm calling you this. Yeah. The second sin you have committed is you've disavowed the guy who's actually your Sifu. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there is someone you just call Sifu. Oh, no. All right. And now oh, you just call no. someone that's just Sifu. So it's kind of like you disrespected your own and you disrespected that guy. So that is why uh, the more edge. polite way of doing it when you address someone who is a Sifu but not your Sifu is to say Sifu plus their name. Now, mm -hmm. in the Western world, we usually put the title first and then the name. In Chinese, it's the other way. Oh. But either way, but either way, because um, and many Chinese Sifus understand this. So okay. if, if someone, uh, if a Chinese master is surnamed Leung and you call them Sifu Leung, they would understand, oh, you're a Westerner, you're just flipping it. And yeah. they would take, sure, should not take offense. But okay. it would be more proper to say Leung Sifu, right? Yeah. But in either case, you wouldn't just say Sifu if they're mm. not your Sifu, right? Yeah. That's the more polite way. Now, I will admit uh, that norm has changed a little bit. Modern Chinese are a little bit less picky about that and are a little more willing to just call anyone who is a Sifu and not their Sifu, Sifu. And it's almost just become a polite form of address. Hmm. But, in a, but with a more conservative or traditional Sifu, you could be making a faux pas when you do that, even trying to be polite. So that's why the person who has actually accepted you as their student, that's all right, it. you call that, that's your Sifu for that's life, it. all right? But anyone else, you would say Wong Sifu, Leung Sifu, you know, Richter Sifu or Sifu Richter, whatever, however you want to call them, okay. right? And that would actually, and if you did that, it would actually show, even if, because the other guy might not care, but if you called that person by their surname and the title Sifu, it shows them that you maybe know a little bit more than the average non-Chinese guy about this kind Let of stuff. Let me ask you, if, mm -hmm. has any of your students ever called you Sifu Alex? Oh, they, they've done yeah. that sometimes. And, and, and so and that, that, then almost that, has, that almost has the opposite effect. That's almost oh. <laughs> like a distancing mechanism. Oh. 
Because if someone is your sifu, you just need to call them sifu yeah. because it's implied you're using the paternal character of father. Okay. And then to call them sifu and their name, mm -hmm. almost it's almost like a distancing kind of thing. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why it, you know, if if and I get some people like yeah, I don't care about in these titles and stuff like this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, but if you're gonna use them at all, you should use them correctly. And when you are using another culture, okay, like we are Westerners, we are tiptoeing into this beautiful Chinese culture. Yeah. Uh, don't be a dumbass, all right? Maybe because it's right. always easier. You got to be able to order well, well, tea it, in China. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, let's not talk about Wing Chun experts who can't <laughs> order tea in China, right? Uh, but because it's wow. because it's always easier. Like people go like, oh, I don't care about titles. I don't care about. I get it, and there are people who have abused it. But you shouldn't look at like the extreme abuses of. In title inflation, dicey for you have to call someone grandmaster, call someone like this, and then say, oh, well, the whole system is stupid because to show, to call someone by a title of respect like coach mm -hmm. is showing respect on your part to someone else, to someone else who may have something to teach you. When, when I, when I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu with Magno, the, mm -hmm. I call him professor all the time. And he sometimes says, hey, brother, you can just call me Magno. But you know what? Always let it be up to the other person to say, hey, you don't need to call me Sifu so-and-so. You can just call me Alex, right? Mm. That's way better than the other way Then maybe that person prefers a little bit of formality. Okay. And then you go, hey, Bob, what's going on? And, and <laughs> uh, so right. because then you come off as an ignoranus, ignoramus. Ignoranus, all right? Ignoranus? Yes, ignoranus, all right? And so, so I, I never understood because Westerners are like, oh, we're Western and pragmatic and we don't do these kind of things. Hey, you go to another culture, all right? Mm -hmm. Show respect. Yeah. And if they tell you, oh, you're being too formal, it's not necessary, then you can dial it back. Mm. But don't be the person who comes in assuming, to, yeah. you, you know, like for example, uh, Roland Tong, Sivu Roland Tong. He's mm -hmm. one of... The, one of the eldest still living students of Grandmaster Yipman. It's not my Sivu. Can you imagine when I met him back in 2016? Hey, Roland. Okay? Hey, Roland, now, what's up, man? You know, I called him Tong Sivu, Tong okay. Sivu all the time. And and we and he was cool with that and we left it at that. Okay. But had he said something like, oh, you don't need to call, you don't need to call me that. You can just call me you know, Roland. Roland or whatever, right? <laughs> I would have actually felt really weird doing that. Oh. But if he wanted me to do that, then yeah. I have to respect his wishes. But you don't go in there calling him Roland when he wants to be called Tong Sivu. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And mm. so uh, so I never understood why Westerners have to be so, yeah, these things don't matter in my culture, so I'll just shit on the other ones. It's like you, you, you only win by being polite and respectful in other cultures, all right? Okay. And, and they can always tell you if it's necessary or not, right? But but you should come in with the respect, all right? Mm -hmm. So One to grow on. So, yeah, one to grow on. So, anyway, now we come back to our grandmaster topic, oh, right? Yes. Just spending all this time on Sifu, right? Yes. So, uh, the grandmaster, like I said, there, there, there are two uh, titles for it. Zhongzi, which is a more generic, I suppose you could say it's Zhong, a more generic. Zhongzi. Yeah, it's a more Zhongzi. generic term. Uh -huh which could just mean like a great master or, a, or a, a, someone who's recognized in the community as being like kind of a, a, a boss man. I don't mean like the head of a style, but just like this guy's like really tops in his style or <laughs> her style. It's a Zhongzi, right? And then Zheng Munyan is different because uh, it means really the head of that style. Okay? And there is a distinction. But when if you were to take a typical Chinese word book and look okay. up, in Cantonese, Chongxi, and then look up in Cantonese, Cheung Munyan. 
probably the English translation for both would just say grandmaster with no dis- with no nuance in English. But in Chinese, one is a more generic term for like a master or very esteemed practitioner or teacher of an art. And the other one is like, now this is the head of the actual style. All right. Hmm. Now the Jiangmunyan uh, is very, very rare because in nowadays, because most styles have spread throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So every single style, even if we just get out of Wing Chun for a moment, if you just take a, like, a, a style like uh, Eagle Claw, well, there are numerous people who learned Eagle Claw from various teachers, right? Okay. And so, uh, well, maybe that's a bad example because actually they do kind of have a head of the style, but it's disputed. But I'll get into that stuff hey. a little bit later. I'll get into that in the successors part, right? Okay. Uh, let, me, let me think of a style. You know, trying to think of a style that doesn't have disputes at the head is like, uh, yeah, that, no, not that one. No. What, 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 oh, no, no, not that one. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I will make a very, uh, okay, Choi Lei Fat is probably a good example. Uh, Choi Lei Fat, very famous style. But Choi Lei Fat has now spread out, one, throughout the world, but even within China and in Hong Kong, there are many uh, subdivisions of Choi Lei Fat. Mm-hmm. And so there is no, like, one style of Choi Lei Fat. There are multiple sub-styles. It's just, it's just like human evolution, right? Things mutate into different variations and branches, right? Even if they have the same ancestor and same root, they mutate into different different ways, right? So I think I can say so with cool. relative confidence, and I know if I'm wrong, they're going to kick the shit out of me in the comments. <laughs> I can say with relative confidence, there is no single head of Choi Lei Fat altogether, okay? You may have someone who is the head of a branch of Choi Lei Fat. All right. Uh, or maybe a specific school of Choi Lei Fat, but there is no... In my understanding, and again, I'm tiptoeing outside of my style here, so I'm sure someone will tell me, you're totally wrong about that, actually. The, no, the, the real head of the Choi Foot style is so-and-so, and it also happens to be the guy yeah. you're learning from, right? Yeah. It's always like, everyone will always tell you, no, actually, there isn't a unified head grandmaster of a style. Oh, it also happens to be the style that I picked, because yeah. I geographically live n- close to that style, right? Or that all school. All caps, all caps. Uh, so, um, but I think it's relatively uncontroversial to say that there's no single head of Choi Lei Fat. All right. So Choi Lei Fat, for all intents and purposes, does not have a Jiang Munyan, does not have a singular keeper of the gate. So you wow. would have maybe multiple Jungsis, multiple grandmasters who are uh, high level within their own system or mm-hmm. their own school or the own sub branch. Right. But no one can claim, I don't think. Now, oh, I, I am the head of all Choi Lei Fat. I feel like Wing Chun has the same idea going on, too. It does, but I just wanted to not talk about Wing Chun no. for a second. All right? Okay? Uh, because, uh, well, one, we, we've talked about it a few times, and uh-huh. Wing Chun doesn't have a singular head anymore. But it's even disputed whether Yip Man was the, the, the actual head. singular head, right? Because, oh. because there were other people in, in, in his lineage who were more senior to him. So I don't want to get into that because, honestly, I don't give That's a shit. Political. I, well, I don't give a shit yeah like literally what does it matter now what does any of that matter now okay let's be honest the people who are still butthurt mm-hmm. because they're great 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 you know the 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 sifu of their sigong sigong or whatever mm-hmm. doesn't get the credit he deserves now posthumously a hundred something years later i go really in wing chun a style like now we need to step up 
Wing Chun needs to step up to remain relevant in the modern society. And you're arguing that your guy back in the Qing dynasty doesn't get the credit <laughs> they deserve. And okay. then, oh, everyone only likes Yip Man because Yip Man taught Bruce Lee or whatever. It's like, like really, your entire thing is that? Mm -hmm. And this is also my, my issue with people who are like, oh, well, my teacher was the first student of so-and-so, or my teacher was Bin Lang Ching, so the closed-door student or whatever. It's like, if the only thing you can claim about your school or style is the special title that the founder of it had, okay, Ooh. I'm going to have to invoke Janet Jackson. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? <laughs> I don't care if your Sivu was uh, the best fighter in 1870, or 18. your great, great, great Sivu was the best fighter in 1870, but no one knows about it because Yip Man and Bruce Lee overshadowed all those guys. Yo, you <laughs> butthurt about stuff that happened before you were even alive, before you even a speck of protein in your dad's hamburger? Calm down, son. <laughs> Okay, Damn. what have you done? Nah, what nah. have you done lately? Well, so, so is the only thing special about your sublineage of Wing Chun that your teacher was the first guy to learn from someone? Is that it? Because <laughs> the first person to walk into a school doesn't necessarily, is not necessarily going to be your gonna, best student. Yeah. The second person who walks in is not going to be your best. The 30th person who walks in your Probably school might... Probably won't even be there a year from now. Yeah, but I mean, like, but the, it could be the 30th person who joins your school that is really the one, the, uh, the most outstanding disciple. Yeah. So why do we always have to think that this, that just the, the person who picked up your flyer first, they, they, they have to be, the, what if that person who picked up your flyer is totally uncoordinated? Mm -hmm. What if that person is weird? What if that person is lazy, all right? Mm -hmm. We need to get out of these, these things of like, you know, oh, you know, my Sifu was like, you know, the one of only five disciples to learn. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, all right. all right. But I'm at your school now. Who are you teaching? Mm -hmm. uh, how good are they? Do they enjoy the class? Have you produced people? Or are you just, or is your only signature point of your school something that hypothetically happened 70 years ago? Because, because and, and then they wonder, like, well, I don't know why people aren't coming into the Wing Chun school anymore. Because your advertising is based on 100-year-old claims, son. All right? <laughs> what have you done for me lately? All right? Ooh, ooh, okay? Ooh, yeah. Yes. So it's like, are you producing students of quality? Are you producing students who are going to be the next generation of instructors? Are you producing students that when you die... You can put a microphone in front of them and they can put five words together about what they know about Wing Chun. They just go, oh, Wing Chun is good. Uh, we use simultaneous actions yeah. and uh, uh, chain punching and low line kicking. All right? Like, is that, oh, is that all you got? Yeah, but my great, great, great grand Sivu was the, uh, the ultimate disciple of uh, Chan Ma Shun. All right? Uh, okay. Okay, so great. Not. He's not here now. What, uh, yeah. We're talking to you. Oh, and, no. and there is, and this is the one thing that bugs me the most about Chinese martial arts, mm -hmm. uh, not just in Wing Chun, is that everyone is going to tell you how great they are or their style is. But what they're going to tell you is great about it is what someone else did. And oftentimes what someone else did that they never met. Man. All right? Or never saw. Or they're taking it on faith that uh, mm -hmm. this guy was the only Here's guy it. who really learned the knives from Yip Man or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, all of these claims can be disputed. All of these claims 
you know, you could say, oh, you can make claims to pretty much anyone not doing things the way Yip Man did it. All right. But if we keep having that argument, we're going to miss we got what we got now. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with the Kung Fu we have now? Or are we still engaging in wars from the 1980s? You know, the, I, I, I got really salty about a commenter about a week ago oh, from yeah? our own lineage who just, he, he, he started spewing a bunch of weird stuff about Yip Chun. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not in the Yip Chun lineage. Okay. All right. And Yip Chun and Lang Teng have had their things before, whatever. And I'm not like, I'm not pro Yip Chun. I'm not anti Yip Chun. All right, but this guy was saying a bunch of nonsense about Yip Chun, yeah. and he's from my lineage. And I'm like, dude, where are you getting this information from? Oh, it's In common sense, and it's all wrong. Oh, no. And then he goes, I know you don't want to talk about comments, but yeah, could you just talk about Imin versus William Chang? Could you just talk about uh, uh, why Imin left the organization? Well, Leung Ting and Yip Chun's relationship, like all this stuff. It's like, you want me to bring up these things from the 80s now, and as if this is going to patch any divide between anyone? I have friends in the William Chang lineage, uh -huh. all right? And, like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of their presentation of Wing Chun, but guess what? I'm sure they're not a huge fan of my presentation of uh -huh. Wing Chun. But that doesn't mean we can't be friends and we can't talk and hang out. But I'm going to go now and say, like, oh, well, yeah, let me tell you about what happened between Amy and William Chang. The story. Like, what is this going to do for anyone now? What is it going to do for anyone now? That was a comment. And it was like, I know you don't talk about politics, but can you talk about... And then he listed like five of the most disgusting politics in the history of WT and the Wing Chun world in general. Oh. And it's like... And, and, and I basically gave him the verbal equivalent of get bent, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like <laughs> because when, if, I, if I talk about stuff at a school that I don't know about, I'll always say, hey, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Or so-and-so told me this. Right? I'm not making claim like this is the way it is. And people correct me in the comments all the time. Oh, on, in the Hong Kong, one of the Hong Kong episodes, I said Lee Man was the president of the restaurant union and he was the secretary. And I had all sorts of people jumping on me because it's like super, super uh, important. And right. I get it. And I actually knew he was the secretary, but I just misspoke because... If you look, here, there are no, there are no, there's a tissue uh, here and there's uh, water, right? Yeah, I don't have notes in front of me, damn. right? So yeah, so I, I said he was the president when he was the secretary, and I knew he was the secretary. But then people <laughs> oh, just no. jump on you for this stuff, no, and then I'm like, yeah, man. I know, or whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I just thought you might want to be corrected. It's like, calm down, calm down, that? buddy. All right, it's it's really easy to do that from the comfort of behind your phone and yeah. sitting there. You put a camera in front of you, all right, and and record it. And then give it to an editor who doesn't know what I'm talking about. He just mm -hmm. edits it and we put it out there. All right? Yeah. yeah. And, and if I'm incorrect, I'll always correct the record. Okay? Lee Mann was the secretary of the restaurant union. He was not the president. Okay? And he wasn't so, a client. Either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just a client. I'm also the president. All right? <laughs> the restaurant union club for yeah, men. Right? Oh, God. All right? That's an, that's an OG reference. Oh, I don't know if anyone, any, anyone knows that one. So, um... What the hell was I talking about? Where was I? We were going. I was going. I can't stay on a thread. You know. Yeah. You notice that? I just we because one off. thing leads to the next thing. It's always like that, right? Going off on um, the Grandmaster. There was no. Hey everyone, just want to let you know, Wing Chun Illustrated is now offering a paperback edition through Amazon, reaching a larger global market. And no, they're not ditching the glossy magazine edition through MagCloud. You can now simply choose the version of this magazine you prefer and the one with the cheapest shipping wherever you live. Order your copy of Wing Chun Illustrated today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping for Prime members. Go and check that out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it, I got it. No so, grandmaster so, for this style. Yes. And so, so we can say for Chou Lei Fat, there's no head of it, right? But mm-hmm. you have maybe many Zhongxis, right? And in Wing Chun, we definitely don't have a Zheng Munyan, all right? We never did, really. I don't think so. Mm. Because they were already, I think even at, when Yip Man was young, there were already sub-branches of Wing Chun. You had Yin Kei-san Wing Chun and then, and then you know, Chan Ma Sun's Wing Chun, Leung Chan's Wing Chun. And then there were also some other subdivisions of that too as well. The Yu Choi, you also have Vietnamese Wing Chun and stuff like that. Which mm, would, so, mm. so the thing is that even in Yip Man's time, I don't think there was really a Zhong, like a Zheng Munyan of Wing Chun, right? And it wouldn't even matter if, they, if there was back then because there's not one now, <laughs> okay? So... Wow. Um, I personally think the title of Grandmaster, mm-hmm. I think it needs to be retired. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's not a controversial what, statement what a, at all. I mean, Bruce Lee, he's a Grandmaster. No, he's not. You can't call him Grandmaster, even uh, though he's pe- the head I, of I've his seen people Jeet call, I've seen people call Bruce Lee Grandmaster, mm-hmm. and it irritates the piss out of me. <laughs> because, because that commits two sins. Right. All right. First of all, Bruce Lee was someone who really disavowed a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh And I think that if he saw someone, if he could see into the future and see there was something called the Internet and people would be like, like, and by the way, the place where you see the most of those kind of comments like, oh, uh, Grandmaster Bruce Lee's the best human being to ever live or whatever. Dude, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. Uh Watch watch the beginning of this episode, please. All right. Uh Um, Is on the official Bruce Lee channels. Mm. Like if you go to like the Shannon Lee's Instagram, like for Bruce Lee or whatever, like you ever, you ever want a mind numbing experience, read the comments on the official Bruce Lee channel. I was just talking, wow. you know, James Bishop, Dr. James Bishop, who we yeah. had on the podcast. He wrote the, yeah. who wrote the Dow. He's in New York. I was having this conversation with him this morning and uh, we were talking what? about like, like, uh, the, the comment, yeah, I have to say, and I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit here. Yeah. You go to the official Bruce Lee blue check on Instagram uh-huh. place, right? That's where and, they lie. And, and that's where the, you know, they post it. You read the comments. They are on the same level of beardy comments. Of like people who are just like, Bruce Lee was the greatest human being in the world. And you know Bruce Lee was the greatest this and greatest that or whatever. And it's like, these are people who don't... And, my, and I think Bruce Lee was an extraordinary human being. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Okay, but what you're reading is like this is like um, a small child's view of their parents, like their parents are flawless, perfect people who got it all together. This is not an adult interaction looking at another adult whom they admire. This if if you look at this in transactional analysis, this Mm -hmm. is this is child looking at parents. Mm. Okay, and you read these comments and they're just like. They're Man. just so they're just so basic bitch comments. I'm sorry. It's like it's like these this. these are not people like like I will uh, occasionally I commented on some of the official Bruce Lee stuff, uh, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, Shannon or whoever actually posts for her. Um, by the way, they've been doing a lot of weird retouched Bruce Lee photos and AI stuff on the uh, official Bruce Lee channel. It just looks awful. Um, but uh, uh, she once posted a photo of Bruce Lee and Raymond Chow and Nancy Kwan on the set of a movie. Mm-hmm. Nancy Kwan, if you ever saw Dragon the Bruce Lee story, she was the one who basically uh, um, was playing... Um, oh, uh, Ruby Chow. Ruby Chow. She Ruby was playing, Chow. Although I think she had a different name in the movie, but she's like the Ruby Chow character. Uh-huh. 
and was played by Nancy Kwan, who actually knew the real Bruce Lee. Yeah. So it's interesting. The actress who played actually knew Bruce Lee in real life. And she uh, uh, is a Eurasian actress, like half Chinese, I believe. And uh, she made films in America, and she made a couple movies in Hong Kong, and she knew Bruce Lee because they met on the set of a movie called The Wrecking Crew. Now, The Wrecking Crew uh, was shot during Bruce Lee's time where he wasn't getting any gigs, and he was lucky to get that gig. It had Sharon Tate. He did some of the choreography. It was either, I think, in 1968 or 1969. No, Kung Fu Genius, it was September 1967, all right? It was like 68, 69, all right? Uh, And... uh, um, and so the caption said, uh, this is, uh, Bruce Lee, Raymond Chow and Nancy Kwan on the set of the wrecking crew. The only problem is that Bruce Lee didn't meet Raymond Chow, I believe until 1971 and the wrecking crew was late. It's just Nancy Kwan was on the wrecking in the movie, the wrecking crew, but Bruce Lee did not know Raymond Chow then because he did not know Raymond Chow until he later went to Hong Kong. It was because Nancy Kwan had come to Hong Kong and yeah. she went on to one of the Golden Harvest sets. Damn. And like, and, uh, and you know, so even the official Bruce Lee channel gets Bruce Lee stuff wrong. And of course, I did the thing that I'm always annoyed when people do with me. Uh, well, actually, right? Uh, I was that guy, but it was, it was a total mistake. Yeah. All right. It wasn't like president versus secretary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Of a a small union, all right, with 80 members, right? Okay, like, oh my God, sorry, all right? Uh, 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 Oh, yeah, it's actually the vice secretary, you dick. Um, uh, And and so I I said, well, actually, this couldn't be on the set of The Wrecking Crew because Bruce did not meet Raymond Chow. And then I Googled it, like, whatever he met. He was a 70 or 71, right? Okay. And the man, people jumped on me, like, like, how dare you? And it's 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 like looking at Beardy's comments. So there is a like a substrata of Bruce Lee fans that don't know shit about Bruce Lee, but will like scream and kick if you say anything against the holy Bruce Lee channel. Uh, It's it's actually the Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah. um, Amplified on social Mm. media, the Dunning Kruger effect being that when people are at an extremely low level of competency or knowledge in a subject, they highly overestimate how much they think they know about that subject. Why is it called the Dunning-Kruger? Uh, because it was based on a, uh, on a research done by two scientists, uh, surnamed Dunning, Dunning and Kruger. Kruger. And, then, and so what they realized is like people who have a very low level of competen- competency in something generally highly overestimate how good they think they are at that thing. But the longer someone does something, the lower their confidence gets. Because the more you do something, the more you realize, oh, there's a lot more to this than I thought. Oh, this is a lot more complicated. Oh, there are a lot of people out there who know way more than me on this stuff, okay. right? Like, yeah, I'm the Kung Fu genius or whatever, but within my own circle of friends in Hong Kong, yeah. I'm last place in martial arts knowledge, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, put, so strange, yep, right? put me next to Maxivu and we'll mm-hmm. talk about, like, you know, the, the breakdown of certain southern styles, and I'm, and I'm a kindergartner yeah. flapping my going yeah. like this on the corner, right? I am not Love a it. real Kung Fu genius, Love all right? It. Uh, it, so anyway, um, but then you realize like all of Beardy followers and the people who comment on the official Bruce Lee channel are all in that first stage Dunning-Kruger. These are people who maybe saw a couple Bruce Lee movies, think that what he did in the movies is the same thing he could do in real life. And then anything that goes against this extreme, look, that's exactly 
what I thought about Bruce Lee. When I saw Bruce Lee doing all that stuff in Enter the Dragon yeah. and doing all that stuff in Fist of Fury, I thought he could really do all that stuff. Uh -oh. The first person who would tell you he couldn't was Bruce Lee. But you know when I thought he could do that stuff? Okay. When I was eight freaking years old. By the time I was 15, I was already starting to see, okay, well, yeah, obviously that's choreography. Uh -huh. What Bruce Lee did was a little bit different. There's a realistic side to JKD and Wing Chun, and there's a theatrical side. And then as I get older, that gets even more and more refined, especially as I've been teaching this for a very long time. But the people who are right at the beginning are like, no, Bruce Lee is the guy he is in Enter the Dragon. <laughs> and if you say something, how dare you say that about the people who know Bruce Lee and officially put this stuff out? Mm. Because Beardy followers and Bruce Lee, official Bruce Lee followers, and mind you, I also follow the Bruce Lee. I'm talking about the people who comment, okay. are all that first state of Dunning-Kruger effect. And so what they, what in the Dunning-Kruger study, what they found, and I'm grossly paraphrasing here, you can, <laughs> all the research is online you can look for. You don't take my word for it. This is a very general summary, okay? Is that the more skill and expertise you have in a topic, mm -hmm. the lower your confidence is in how much you know about it. That's why they say, like, the experts are full of questions and the beginners are full of confidence. Wow. Okay? And so, however... It also, it also starts to change the longer, like, so once you've been doing something for 20, 30 years, the confidence slowly starts to go up. But it also goes up because at that point, you really know what you don't know. You know what I mean? So when someone asks me a question about Wing Chun history, uh, I, I can now say, yeah, I, I, uh, actually, no one knows that. I can't, there's really no answer for that. Mm -hmm. But 15 years ago, I would say, yeah, it was Moy who taught Yim Wing Chun 100 Pro. 100% bro. Yeah. And now I'm like, uh, it's most likely a fairy tale character. Actually, we cannot know anything about that very early period of Wing Chun. Uh, so my confidence has grown because I know that I don't know those things. Not okay. that I know more than I did before. I just know now how much I don't know about Wing Chun yeah. history, for example, or Bruce Lee. I speak, you know, on things that I know with a certain degree of certainty, but always willing to be corrected. And when I'm out of my league, I'll admit it because uh, maybe when I was 18, I would be like, oh, no, no, Bruce Lee could totally do one finger push-ups to handstand. Uh, I yeah. read about it once, right? Yeah. Because I maybe thought I saw it. But now I'm like, I'm not sure if I saw that, so I can't say it's true, right? So that is the uh, th that is kind of the weird thing about yeah. that. But, but we were supposed to talk about grandmaster successors and all this stuff. We, we keep we coming back to we Bruce have. Lee. We have, right? But we didn't... We didn't well, I want to talk you. about successors because we talked about grandmasters. Uh -huh. Okay, successors. so we talked about two different types of grandmasters. So a successor in theory would become the next Zheng Munyan, all right? But we don't really have those anymore, right? So what we do occasionally have our successors within a certain school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the, the Sifu retires, someone takes over or whatever, or in, in some substrates of style or something like that. But let, let's talk about it more in like the traditional sense, okay? You have the head of a style, that Sifu has taught, let's say, for most of their, you know, adult life or whatever. And uh, they have a handful of students who are hopefully qualified. And from that handful of students, the Sifu, the dying Sifu, picks one and hmm. says, you, all right? <laughs> yeah, you are the that. one, right? Yeah. They peace out like Yoda oh, telling oh, Luke oh. that Darth Vader was his father, right? Oh. Uh, or telling that there's another sky. There's another Skywalker. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, he's dead. He's dead, bro. Uh, so uh, you are the successor. But what about all these other guys? <laughs> Shit. All right. Now yeah, it's man. all on me. Right. So I, I feel that pressure. it made sense 
in the old days. When it was like okay. five students. When there were just a handful of students and the successor or who the successor would be was fairly obvious. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like your most senior student, the one who's been with C for the longest, the one who's got the best skills, mm -hmm. the one who is, you know, really the person who knows the most from Sifu, Yeah, right? and it's like a, a unanimous decision in the sense that all the other students are like, well, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's almost like like no yeah. one would dispute it right. whether the Sifu was alive or dead. Yeah. All right? That's how it's supposed to work in theory. Uh, and then the Sifu dies, and then that new person gets put in charge. But this is also like kind of like a monarchy, all right, where... Uh, sorry, sorry, Mikey. Um, I, know he gets, I know he gets triggered whenever we say things like monarchy. Um, uh, because, uh, because this rule is, it's not quite hereditary. I mean, it might be in the case of a family style where the father gives it to the eldest son, but not all styles were purely within the family. But there is some kind of hereditary feeling, not in a biological sense, but in the you know, my boy who's been with me the longest, right? Wow. And the, my boy who's been, you know, who knows the most, right? And the problem is, when the Sivu dies, one, does that student really want that role? Mm. And also, you don't really know what someone is like in that role until they start fulfilling it. When you give someone the absolute power to dictate what is right and wrong in a style, you have now taken, and I'm using this in very vague terms, okay? This very traditional style, mm -hmm. you taught it to this person, and you say, okay, this thing, this is part of our culture. I gave it to you. Your job after I die is to give it to the next person. Well, when you give someone that kind of absolute power, and I'm using this in a very vague, absolute power of being the only one who knows a Kung Fu style, but I'm using that as a paradigm. And then the Sivu dies, you don't really know what that person's character is until they get all that power. Because usually the smiles, the, power the smiles and the camaraderie between brothers last until the end of Sifu's funeral. And then the gloves are, and sometimes even at the Sifu's funeral. Right, when Yip Man passed away, there was already some shit going on at his funeral, okay? Between students of Yip Man, all right? So, you know, if, but Wing Chun people, not all of them, and I have some great friends and they're huge exceptions, but there are a lot of Wing Chun people I would consider quite uncivilized. And uh, when, when you now give all this power to one person, mm -hmm. that person now can say who gets to learn, who doesn't get to learn, and can also say of his couple classmates, yeah, I don't think Siva really taught you all that stuff. I actually don't think you really should teach at all. I don't really think you're that qualified. That could happen because now you have given this absolute power to this person. So that, there's a problem with that system, okay? Uh, that's the first problem is that you entrust this one person. Also, there are other obvious problems. The Sifu entrusts the style to this one person. The Sifu passes away. The person he entrusted to passes away a year later. Got cancer. Oh. You see what I mean? So it, it, it's like oh. they're, they're, they're doing their Confucian duty, you know, because many uh, uh, traditional, and I mean very old generation Sifus, not, not more recent, feel almost duty-bound to pass on the style to, to the next person because of, there's a Confucian hierarchy. If you were given this style, which is part of Chinese culture, and you do not pass it to the next person before you die, then there may be some suffering for you because you basically allowed this piece of Chinese culture to die under your watch. So there's this almost like, in certain cases, like I need, it's like hot potato, you know what I mean? Like I need to give you the hot potato <laughs> so I can die, all right? But the problem is now you're holding the hot potato 
will you die before you give the hot potato to someone else? You understand? So th there's a problem even what? in the traditional idea of <laughs> giving one person all that power to the exclusion of the others, okay? Wow, that's one, that. that's one scenario. People don't think about that. I think about this shit all the time, <laughs> right? Like I tell you, if you're friends with me on Facebook... Uh -huh. And you see that I'm online at 3 a.m. Yeah, I'm thinking about shit like this. <laughs> okay, all right. Like, Yo. I'm going like, wait a minute. Yo. Yep. I wonder how many styles. Like, I'll think about stuff. Like, I wonder how many styles died because the Sifu appointed a successor. The successor passed before he could give it to someone else, and that style went. Poof. What if there was a style out there that was uh, a variant of Wing Chun but far superior, and it died, and we never saw it? Damn. All right. I'm not saying that's highly probable, but something like that could happen given this kind of setup. Yeah. It's a crazy mind blow. Think about how much knowledge was lost because of this ridiculous setup. <laughs> the the <laughs> um, reluctance to write down the methods in books, the reluctance to standardize these things, the reluctance to have a very clear delineation of when should you learn this form? When do you learn the next one? When do you learn these applications? When do you do this? What is the right way to pass the style on? Give that to someone. Let that next person improve upon what was already built. But systematize it so that it's not ambiguous, right? Hmm. So I think about that stuff all the time, right? Okay, so that's one scenario. A handful of students. The Sifu picks one. That dude dies. The style is dead, Okay. <laughs> Uh, the other scenario is so a slightly hard. more modern scenario. <laughs> we could almost take Yip Man's example as the prime example of that. Uh, so Yip Man taught, I mean, his entire teaching tenure, if you consider that he was still correcting some students here and there up until the end of his life, which he, he, he really had retired yeah, 23 by, years. It, it's, like it's 22 years about, okay. give or take. Huh. Uh, of course, he more or less retired in the late 60s, but he was still... He would still have some casual students here and there. Hey, show me your dummy form or something like that. I mean, we still move. He was still doing some stuff up to the very end. Um, so let's say his teaching tenure was 22 years. Okay. All right, let's be let's give him the full charity of 1950 when he started to 1972 when he passed away. All right. Uh, in 22 years, how many students did Yip Man teach? Well, if you look at the genealogy of the Wing Chun family book, which most likely does not include many of the people who just came for a little bit. Oh, okay. It's a more prominent. We could say, I'll, I'll, just pull, I'll just pull out a number. It's very unscientific. You could even call it scientistic. <laughs> um, when it's unscientific, I call it scientistic. Scientistic. Uh, let's say he let's taught 800 students in 22 years, and never at once. <laughs> and I think that that's being extremely charitable. All right. But let's say, you know, revolving door of students coming in, learning, leaving, coming back in. All right. Let's give them 800 students. Mm. OK. OK. Although I could do this example with 400. You can cut that in half. I could do this example with 200. OK. okay? But let's 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 give it a big number. 800. All right. <laughs> in 22 years out of teaching 800 students. If Yip Man were to pick one successor. There is now another implication that people don't think about. Because in the old days, when a Sifu picked one successor, yeah, well, they had five students. The guy who was around the longest, yeah, that's going to be the successor. But what happens when you had 800 students mm. and you pick one successor? It's actually a very bad... Well, it's actually a very bad advertisement for you because it oh, means in 22 years and 800 students later, I only got one. <laughs> ah, ah, so it ah. actually says you either... 
no. have either your style is so damn difficult to understand. And if it's so <laughs> difficult to understand, and I know there's some Wing Chun people, even though Wing Chun is simple and direct and straightforward, but there are people who revel in certain bits of complexity within with the things that they feel are complex hmm. and, and you need to be at a certain level to understand it. You know Ooh. what I mean? And only my guy could understand it, right? Ooh. And uh, of course, it's always their guy who understands it, right? Yeah. Well, in 22 years, 800 students, only one guy got it. <laughs> so either your style is so obscenely complex that only one out of 800 students can figure it out, or you are a phenomenally bad teacher. Okay? Because, because again... Because again, passing it off to a single person yeah. made sense when the Siva only taught five people right. in a village somewhere, you know, in, in Qing Dynasty, or maybe only taught two of his sons or something, and the eldest son got it because he's the eldest son. Okay, okay. it's very easy to make that case and to understand it, all right? Even, even as non-Chinese or Westerners, we can understand a father that had three sons and handed it to the eldest before he passed away. There's yeah. nothing in that where you have to be super um, inculcated in Chinese culture to understand that, right. all right? But now 800 students. Jeez. Screw it, 400 students. In 22 <laughs> years, you're taught 400 students and only one Damn. gets it. Or only one, so either only one gets it so, so think about all the implications here. Only one student got it. Mm. Oh, your style is brutally complex that only one out of 800, one out of 400 can understand it. Two, second implication. You are such a phenomenally bad teacher that only this one person through pluck and courage and understanding figured it out despite the fact that you're a god-awful <laughs> oh, teacher. No. Okay, oh, no. That's the, that would be another implication. All right, which means either the style has very bad methods for teaching okay. or that teacher was very piss poor. Okay? And the thing is, and Yip Man was by most accounts not a great teacher, but he still produced many outstanding disciples. Okay? Mm -hmm. So even if he wasn't the, you know, like he didn't know how to, guy, how to explain very well, right? Um, Still, people could figure out through watching, through, through practice, through figuring out, through testing, experimenting. Mm -hmm. When the Sifu's explanation is not great, students can still maybe figure it out through just pluck and determination and, and a little bit of talent and a little bit of brains, okay? But when only one could get it, then you start to say, well, then something is really, yeah. really bad here. All or, of those students. The third implication, so the first one is the style's way too complex for the average person, mm. to the... The second implication is, or the Sifu is a phenomenally bad teacher, okay? Three, or this thing is so political, right? And then the last and fourth, and I think the, the, the most important implication is, if the student, if the Sifu did pick a successor, the one out of 800, what did he just say to the, the other 799? Yeah. Not a single one of you is qualified to teach. Only this guy is qualified to teach when I'm gone. What about the other people who are with him for many years? Damn. Did he really only produce one instructor of note? And now, and other instructors who learned in different generations from that teacher, now they have to kowtow to that one successor, even though they may have learned earlier or later and got a different idea? I mean, I'm convinced there are as many Wing Chun versions as people who learn from Yip Man, because no one does Wing Chun as it is. Everyone does it as they are. All right, you, can, you don't represent, when people say they teach Yip Man Wing Chun, I want to stick a fork in their eye. The only person who did Yip Man Wing Chun was Yip Man. 
Sorry, Andrew, I got to drink some water here. <laughs> it's, it's a bit warm in here. Well, we had to turn the ACs off. Oh, yeah. We got through about 45 minutes of the podcast before I started to feel like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm sweating like Mikey Dean in church. <laughs> uh, Lots of, oh, you think you're the successor? I do not think you know. All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all the genius will be disgusting, disgusted in your shit. The genius will be discussing hot nonsense. All sorts of hot nonsense with me. All right, peeps. Lots of gems. Lots of grandmasters. Lots of, oh, you think you're the successor? I do not think you know what that word means. I think you, I do not, I, you, I think you do not think what the word means. You think you do not means. In the I, think that word, uh, I think that word means what you do not think it means. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering nothing.
the genius will be discussing hot nonsense with me. All sorts of hot oh. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be discussing all sorts of hot nonsense with moi. Lots of gems. <laughs> You're making it all French up in here. Lots of grandmasters. Lots of... Oh, you think you're the Sincessa? 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 You think you're a Sincessa? I do not think you know what that word means. I do not think... Do, I do don't not think... I don't think you know what that word... No, I don't think... All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be discussing...